Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson. And I'm Sam Hoganson. You ready to get started? Let's send it. Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode five in what was supposed to be a game preview for Cal this weekend. And while much of America is drinking right now because of an election, Sam and I are drinking for a different reason tonight. But Sam, what are you drinking tonight, sir? Well, after the news broke, I knew tonight was going to be a Jack Daniels night. So I'm back. Back on that, I just got home a little while ago from a Costco trip and had to load up on Kirkland Signature Scotch whiskey just to make sure I have my cabinet <laughs> full because this is any indication of how the Pac-12 season's gonna gonna play out. Lord knows I'm gonna need it. <laughs> right off the bat, huh? Right off the bat, yeah. Jack Daniels in good times and in bad, I guess, huh? What are you sipping on? Uh, I made myself a Moscow meal tonight to try to cheer myself up a little bit. Did uh, it work? Uh, not really, but it's, I mean, <laughs> it at least tastes good. And then as I did last episode, I have a rolling rock to finish off the episode with. So, Well, should we just dive into the negativity here and get it out of the way? Uh, might as well, I guess we're going to have to do it at some point. So, uh, yeah, in case you guys haven't heard, the Cal-UW game this weekend has been canceled um, because of COVID. Yeah, one, one player on Cal's roster ended up testing positive earlier this week. I think it first leaked out uh, Wednesday night that a player had tested positive, and it was decided today that the, the game was going to be canceled. But wait... Connor, that doesn't make any sense because I've been following college football and I know Trevor Lawrence, the star quarterback at Clemson, he's tested positive and is now in isolation, but Clemson's still playing. And I also happen to know that one coach that goes by the name of Nick Saban tested positive and five or six days later was on the sidelines coaching in the Alabama-Georgia game. So if only one Cal player tested positive, how in the hell did the game get canceled? Unfortunately, it has a lot to do with the guidance and regulations around COVID that um, that are different in different parts of the country. And also has to do with the fact that the Pac-12 has kind of botched this thing from the beginning. We'll go into more detail on that, but uh, just to give you some context here. The PAC 12 released a statement today um, and it went as followed. The PAC 12 has approved a request from Cal to cancel the Washington at Cal game, Cal football game scheduled for November 7th. This decision was made under the PAC 12's football game cancellation policy due to Cal not having the minimum number of scholarship players available for the game as a result of a positive football student athlete COVID case and resulting isolation of additional football student athletes under contact tracing protocols. Key, key line there, contact tracing protocols. We'll go into more detail in a second here. Uh, continued, 
under under conference policy of the game will be declared a no contest the health and safety of our student athletes and all those connected to pac-12 football programs will continue to be our number one priority sam i want to start off by saying that both of us are extremely serious about covid and we know the risks involved in covid and none of our feelings or thoughts tonight have anything to do with you know undermining the risks of this deadly disease. Um, that being said, Berkeley Public Health has some serious, seriously rigid rules and regulations and guidelines surrounding COVID. And that is essentially what led to this game being canceled. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with just the positive test, but the contact tracing involved with the position group of that positive test. I don't know if you have anything else to say about that, Sam. Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack there in terms of how this all unfolded. So we can probably just try to nail it down in chronological order. And so sure. as Connor mentioned earlier, one player on the Cal Bears football team had a positive test come back. And then in their local area, the Berkeley health officials have a contact tracing protocol that requires a 14-day isolation quarantine period for anyone who's been exposed to that positive test. And so what happened was, as you can imagine, I can't remember the position group. I think we were talking D-line earlier, but I just saw Defensive. a tweet that said yeah. it was offensive line. Either oh, way. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of the lines. We know that for sure. Um, Wil Wilner, John Wilner, if you guys don't, or if you guys are on Twitter and want someone to follow with a great insight on the Pac-12, John Wilner is is a great follow. At Wilner Hotline is his, is his handle. Um, and he had tweeted earlier that he had he had talked to a source that it was a defensive de defensive lineman, but gotcha. I could be I could be wrong. So either way, and so basically, what happens is throughout the week, obviously in your position group, you're going to be running through practice close proximity to each other, but really where the exposure is going to happen is within the meeting rooms, and so college football teams, pretty much any serious football team will divide the team into position groups and have very specific game plan meetings and film study for that group. And so if you can imagine, let's just say it was a defensive line. They were all in a room together and for a long period of time that would qualify as being exposed to someone that has tested positive. So the entire defensive line group, all of the players of that group are now in quarantine and isolation based on the Berkeley public health's protocols and how that translates to the PAC 12 statement is under our conferences agreed upon rules and regulations around canceling games. They came out with a statement that said, if you have something like this happen and you can no longer field one scholarship quarterback, seven scholarship offensive linemen, or four scholarship defensive linemen, that that team can bring it to the Pac-12 office's attention and request the game to be canceled and, a not, and 
ruled as a non no contest such that they don't have to forfeit or play with you know less than a handful of scholarship players and so that's ultimately what happened cal was told that these players couldn't play they can't even leave their house and therefore they felt like they weren't going to be able to play a fair match against the huskies and went to the pac-12 asking for a game cancellation and a ruling of no contest and here we are and might i also add that the players that had come into contact with this positive test have all tested negative and i think that's the frustrating part of it all is there's really routine testing for all of these pac-12 football pro athletic programs they're testing all of their athletes regardless of sport every day and again, that, while I take, that was the whole idea behind this this you know rapid testing that they they had to deal with, and that was what was able to let this season happen. Exactly, exactly. And again, you know, maybe the rapid testing isn't necessarily the most reliable of all the available tests, but that's not all they're doing. They the players that were exposed have tested negative both from the rapid test. They've tested negative both from the antigen test and the PCR test. They do not currently have it. They could test again later tonight. They could test again all throughout Friday, Saturday morning, and go from there. And so the frustrating thing is that the game is canceled when it feels like, and again, I'm not a scientist, I'm not you know, a viral infection expert, but from the little bit of internet sleuthing that we've all done throughout this pandemic, it does feel like a little bit of a potentially overreaction mm-hmm. to the situation. And obviously it's particularly frustrating. We're now had three season openers canceled. We're on our fourth season opening opponent and the Jimmy Lake era just gets delayed by yet another week. Yeah. Talk about a, you know, yet another letdown. And just, I, I feel bad for Jimmy Lake cause he's tried to get up for three games and prepare for three different openers now. And it's delayed yet another week at this point. So to his uh, credit, he has stayed extremely upbeat. He released yep. a very positive tweet about how now that his head coaching debut gets to take place in Husky Stadium, which I think will be special yep. for him. And mm-hmm. I guess was the original intent. We we're supposed to open the season against Michigan at home on Mont Lake. So he's might doing I the also, best that he can to stay positive. Might I also add there that he has a better chance at starting his career off with a win now too that's also very true so and if we're while we're on the topic if we're looking for silver linings i think either i think during the coach jimmy lake show hosted by yes. softy and tony castricone yep he did say that they have internally decided on and announced on a starting quarterback that isn't oh. to say that multiple quarterbacks won't play Right. I might be reading too much into his statement. He said, I know who the starting quarterback is. And just knowing how Jimmy Lake has fucked with everybody so far, 
Well, yeah, I know all four quarterbacks. I know all seven <laughs> quarterbacks. Like, of course I know who the starter is. But it read to me like he, the team knows. They chose who they're going to start the game with. They've started implementing the game plan. And so from the silver linings perspective, it does give that individual another week of not sharing sure. yep. first team snaps and practice. Yep those, yep, those reps are important. I stressed that in the third episode, I think, when we were talking offense. So, yeah. Yeah. And to your point, not only does is our season opener a little bit less of a daunting task in terms of Jimmy Lake's debut, but the same can be said for whoever the starting quarterback will be. We'll be facing a significantly less potent defense in the Oregon State Beavers as opposed to a very, very physical, proven, and productive Cal Bears defense. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a softer landing for both head coach and you know any of these new players that are going to be debuting in purple and gold in this first game. So I don't know, maybe it's just the whiskey talking, but I shouldn't sound that positive. I'm still pissed. Yes. I'm still pissed that we're not playing. No but doubt. if we were looking for silver yep. linings and positive to outtake outtakes of this those are the only ones I can think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean the other thing that I want to I want to bring up too is that if you take a step back, it's pretty unlikely even with all the protocols that the Pac-12 has put in place and they are probably the most stringent of all of the major conferences as far as just their protocols and their day-to-day testing and all that stuff and obviously they have that rapid testing that they had acquired so even with that it's very unlikely that you're probably going to go through this whole season without a cancellation at some point or a postponement at some point. Unfortunately, the way that the Pac-12 scheduled and because they waited so long to start, there's no buffer room. And that's why this game is canceled and it's it's labeled as a no contest because they don't have another buffer week for this game to take place. So they have the Pac-12 as much as, and I, w- I want to go back to, Berkeley Public Health in a, in, in a second here, but as much as we can pin this on Berkeley Public Health and their unrealistic expectations for, you know, the contact con- contact tracing protocol, you can equally blame the Pac-12 for not looking ahead and preparing for something like this to happen. It's almost like... I. I see very similar instances as far as their outlooks, both Berkeley Public Health and the Pac-12, that they just thought, if we put all this rapid testing in place, we're going to have no issues. There's not even going to be a positive test throughout the entire season. And that's just unrealistic with a pandemic. Like, it's just not going to happen. You see it all across college football. You see it all across the NFL. You see it all across across the nation. Yeah, you see it all across the nation. And you you see it in major sports that aren't in a bubble format, which you can't do in college football. So... I mean, suffice to say, it, it, this is equally on the Pac-12 as much as it is on Berkeley Public Health in this specific instance. Yeah, I think in this specific instance, it's for sure on Berkeley Public Health not being flexible or transparent, you know, even transparent 
providing explanations or even providing an alternative solution to like yep. a, a one-off exception case. But I think to your broader point, Connor, the implications that this game not being played at all has on both Cal season and the Husky season and what it means for the Pac-12 is solely to blame on the Pac-12 and the lack of leadership from Larry Scott. We can go back to, I must have been. I hate that guy. Yeah, Larry Scott's got to go. And we can dedicate Awful. a whole freaking episode to that guy. Total Worst train commissioner wreck. in all of sports. I think he would have been fired two, three, four years ago, but he's got just a crazy expensive buyout clause. And now with the pandemic and athletic departments and universities strapped for cash, unless some deep pocketed boosters band together to decide to pay him off themselves. Sam, I how much you got in your savings? Not enough. I'll tell you that. Damn it. <laughs> but um, I think, unfortunately, we're stuck with him for a while. But going back, it must have been mid to end of September. I'm not actually sure. Connor, maybe you would know better than me. But the Pac-12 came out with their new testing regiment, which included yeah, both like third... anti antigen and PCR tests. Yeah, it was like the third week in September. It was like somewhere around the 20th or something like that, I think. Which basically developed a plan where we would be in good shape to be able to have resources in place to keep the safety and the health of the players in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. And it took two weeks to actually have the PAC 12 take action on that. And if we had leadership and could have acted faster by seven days and started our season last week, then to your point earlier, sure, the game's going to get canceled. I expect multiple Pac-12 games to get canceled this season. Mm -hmm. At least you have a buffer week or two, and you can make those games up. But as it stands now, Cal and UW are not going to play. Mm -hmm. And you get into this world where two of your best teams coming into the season, two of the top three teams in the North, and, you know, we, we went in depth in episode one or two on the Pac-12's outside looking in chances on the college football playoff are out the window because we have one less game to play. And whether it was going to be potentially Cal or us, either way, we both needed to play each other for strength of schedule. And, and so we we're going to... And we needed to play a full schedule probably at this point, right? So... Yeah, for sure. We, yeah, which I think is already an uphill battle. But to your point, yes. Yeah, and so I that's agree. out we of the question, out of the question now, and you know, kind of sets it up for a mess. I think UW probably has, will be the heavy favorite, likely in the next four games, and mm -hmm. I think for all intents and purposes, will be four and zero going into the Oregon game. And There's your next silver lining, dude. I can now predict that we can go undefeated this year. I can't give you credit for that. <laughs> hey, we're not going to lose to Cal this year. That's true. That's true. And so what's another crazy thought, too, is if Cal and UW run the table, that makes for a hell of a mess to sort out in terms of who's the North champion. Because we've all played the same teams. We've all, we've both played the same teams. We never played each other. 
And we won against the same teams. And we won against the same teams. The only difference would be the crossover opponent. We play Arizona, and I'm not sure who Cal's crossover team is. I'm sure we probably have the weaker one. I can check that, though. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. And so then you get in a scenario where the tiebreaker would typically go to head-to-head. Okay, well, we didn't play each other. It's ASU, so they definitely have the stronger opponent, I would say, at this point. And after the tiebreaker, it goes to, after the first tiebreaker of head-to-head, the second one goes to best in-division conference. Well, in that scenario, we're both undefeated in the conference because we didn't play each other. Right. And then after that, I think it goes to the highest college football playoff ranked opponent that you beat. Mm-hmm. Which, Which out of those two opponents is very likely ASU, I would say, compared to Arizona. I mean, the, the highest ranked opponent likely out of all of them is going to be Oregon. But And in this scenario, we both would have beaten Oregon. Right. So then you get into a scenario where the college football playoff committee basically just chooses who whoever is highest ranked between us and Cal mm-hmm. at the end of the season would be crowned the North champion from my understanding would, now. Yep. That's, that's my understanding as well, Sam. Uh, I guess my point that I was trying to make though, is that I think Cal's schedule would look stronger with ASU on their schedule than Arizona, but it also depends on sexiness of victory as well. And I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that as well. So, yeah, I guess we're and, probably too deep into a hypothetical at this point. Yeah. Considering I, if Berkeley I don't, I don't public this health, happening. yeah, if Berkeley public health isn't going to budge an inch to cater to an athletic program like Cal, then the idea that Cal would be five and zero at the end of the season would, even if they won every game, I don't, I, they're going to get another game canceled under yep. the same policy because it's not only the fact that the game was being played at Cal, those players can't leave their house. They can't right. travel either. Yeah. And so and some Cal, of you listeners might think, why didn't they just play the game in Seattle? And they can't because these players are quarantined down, down in Berkeley. So they can't leave field a team. Yeah, dude, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. The, Cal's next game against ASU is very much in question right now because of that 14-day rule that uh, Berkeley Public Health has. Um, Wilner talked about that there is a situation possibly, I don't, I don't know the context of it, but that those, those players may, that were in the contact tracing protocol and are quarantined right now may be able to get out of quarantine before that game. But I don't know what that's going to entail as far as like they have to figure requirements. They have to figure something out. Yeah. I mean, at that point, if those players have tested negative for, you know, at that point, a full week, mm -hmm. then they're then they're good. Right. Like if you if you don't contract the virus within if you don't test positive a week after you had exposure the likelihood that it's been in an incubation period within your system that long is pretty unlikely, basically zero. Yeah. Like what are we talking about at that point? Let them play. Yep. And to your, to your point, let them play. I mean, Cal was pissed about this. Justin Wilcox is a pretty mild mannered coach for sure. 
very much a straight shooter, not really a very emotional guy as far as antics and all that stuff. And he was noticeably irritated and frustrated by this in his press conference today. Yeah, I think a lot of that just stemmed from the lack of transparency from the public health officials, the lack of willingness to even hold a conversation about it. Right. I and I think that's that's going to be a frustrating and to thing even regardless. Ex- to even explain what they they could do or what they had even done wrong in their protocols because yeah. At least everything that they're saying out of Cal Athletic Department, they followed everything by the book and even did more is what they quote said that they they had done. Um, did even more than they were required to do. And basically Berkeley's public health's response to that was still wasn't enough. And there was no explanation. So they've just been stuck in the mud on the whole thing. I think John Wilner interviewed a spokesperson from Berkeley public health and asked about testing and the idea that, Hey, if these players tested negative, you know, for X amount of days after their supposed exposure, is there any realm of possibility that they can come out of quarantine? And they basically gave some really snarky response about testing isn't a cure. Testing isn't a treatment. It just tells you how much viral load is present in the body. Right. Well, if it's telling you that there's no viral load in the body, you're trying to tell me that that doesn't mean something. Little did you know, guys, we're also a science podcast here. Yeah, I probably should give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Jacob. He's a pretty sciencey guy. He works at a microbiologist infections lab in Seattle. And so I've kind of gotten a little bit into the science stuff with him before, but <laughs> I for sure don't know what I'm talking about. So please don't, don't listen to me when it comes to COVID parameters, but I certainly try to do my best. Yeah, for sure. And it, we're obviously, we're extremely sensitive to this virus and we want the PAC 12 to per- pursue playing in a safe and healthy manner for players, coaches, there's no fans, but everyone involved, staff, all of that stuff, right? 100% Um, agree. And I think in this scenario, and again, that's kind of the tricky thing with the whole virus and the pandemic is people's definitions of risk tolerance or risk aversion and what they define as safe is different. But it's hard for me to feel like there's any significant health risk if these people that will be playing a football game have all tested negative for weeks on weeks on weeks. Yeah. Otherwise, what are we doing here? I mean, why are we even playing season at this point? Exactly. So, I mean, I'm frustrated. It just, there just seems to be some inconsistencies and it doesn't really make sense to me as far as, uh, why, why, why Berkeley Public Health isn't willing to, you know, work with Cal on this? They're just completely shutting it all out. And it sounds like, I mean, essentially, what I've what I've heard is that if this this game was happening in any other school or at any other school, maybe with the exception of Stanford, I'm not sure exactly if there's 
much difference between Berkeley and and Palo at Stanford, Alto. yeah, Palo Alto. But I mean, Bay Area in general is I know pretty stingent on on rules, but I know Bert that this seems pretty specific to Berkeley is what I've what I've uncovered. Yeah, and basically, if this if this game was happening anywhere else, it'd be it it would happen like there it would be, and. I guess I should walk that back a little bit. If it was involving a school other than Cal. Yeah. Like not necessarily that it's, it has anything to do with it taking place there. If it just didn't involve a school in Berkeley, likely this game still happens. Yeah. So, so that's, here we that's are. the most, We've... that's the most frustrating part about it to me. Have to wait just another the, week. In, inconsistencies and lack of transparency. Cause uh, I mean, the other thing that I real quick want to bring up, Sam is that Cal completely was thrown off by this too. Like, oh yeah, they were caught off guard, and that isn't right. Like, Berkeley Public Health needed to be way more transparent. And this this isn't like some weird situation. Like, this is a very simple situation that you could have forecast and forecasted and seen coming. Why did you not have a plan for this? And why was your plan? so unrealistic for any kind of proper protocol response in order for in order to keep the game going like yeah. what why is that just completely off the table at this point and why is why is cal completely left out of the loop it just doesn't it doesn't make sense i i would be see, su very surprised if cal is able to play more than probably three games this year based on what yeah. we're hearing from Berkeley public health. Unless somehow, some way the protocols change in that area, which maybe this forces them to do, but it sucks that we were the Guinea pig. So, yep. Now we only get to watch six games instead of seven and every game that does play enjoy it because at yep. this point, I mean, we learned firsthand first week of the shortened season that not going to get a lot of Husky football this year anyways, but don't take it for granted and enjoy those games. Yep. And you never know when it's going to be the last one at this point, right? Like as far right. as just this year goes, at least, I mean, definitely take these Saturdays that we have games for like, like really enjoy them you know because there's one not a lot of them to begin with and then two you just don't know when the next one's going to be so yeah tough stuff but none of them are promised i'm going to do my best to not let this get me too down on saturday i already had planned to smoke up a big brisket with my dad and make our family famous clam dip and watch nice. the Husky game together and see how Jimmy Lake starts off his new era of Husky football. And obviously that's not going to happen, but we're still going to have some tasty meat, some good clam dip. And one of the things that we're planning on doing is there are actually a ton of former Husky football games out on YouTube that you can find. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, I was talking to him today. We went to Costco together earlier today and we were kind of going back and forth trying to pick which Husky game we wanted to watch together this Saturday. And 
we're gonna we're gonna choose whichever game we want to watch and i would encourage any husky fans to do the same thing <laughs> out on youtube you can search for a channel called the husky archive and there's a bunch of games both you know more modern era steve sarkeesian chris peterson era but there's also a lot of throwback games i know the purdue rose bowl with Huey and Rick Neuheisel's out there. There's a handful mm-hmm. of Don James era games. So I haven't totally decided. Whammy in Miami. The Whammy in Miami is out there. So check it out. There's a lot of awesome games to go uh, search and watch and try to salvage some of your Husky Saturday. There's a lot of good games to choose from. Part of me is leaning towards watching the bowl game from last year against Boise State. It was a good That's game. A good yep. And then you also can kind of I don't watch the game for some of the names that Connor and I have been talking about the last couple of weeks. It's a good point. There's going to be a lot of familiar faces on this year's team. So it could be a fun way to get a little bit more familiar with some of those players. So I'm kind of leaning that direction. My dad kind of growing up and really enjoying the peak of Husky football during the Don James era. I think he's going to try to convince me to watch, you know, Maybe the all I see, all I saw was purple game against USC. It's a good one. The whammy in Miami is a good one. Um, but yeah, that's something fun that we're going to do. We encourage you guys to to check it out. Connor, I'd be curious what games would come top of mind if you were going to put one on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now that you brought the whole, you know, looking at some of the current players in the bowl game last year towards the end of last year in general, I might look at a couple of those games, maybe the apple cup from last year or, or the bowl game from last year. But um, honestly, I kind of want to go back to our college days and I really want to watch the holiday bowl with Jake Locker. Oh yeah. In our win over Nebraska. Redemption. Yeah. I love that because yeah, we, got absolutely smoked by Nebraska in Seattle that year, earlier in September. I remember, I think it was the second game of the season. Yeah. Yeah, we had hosted Syracuse, I think, in the first game, and we felt all high and cocky because it was Jake Locker's senior year. You know, everything was going to be great. Jermaine Curse went off in that Syracuse game, I remember. He had, like, three touchdowns, I think. So we were feeling pretty good going into that Nebraska game. And then Taylor Martinez tore us a new one and yeah. ran all over us in that game. And we lost like 52 to something, like 52 to 14 or something like that. It was bad. But then but we got redemption in the Holiday Bowl. Our defense showed up in a big way, totally shut down Taylor Martinez. Jake Locker had a really solid game in his last game of his college career. Chris um, Polk had a hell of a game. Chris Polk had a good game. Um, yeah, so I think I think I might I might take a look at that game. I, I I'm assuming that one might be also available on YouTube as well. So I'll take a look. Yeah, I'm sure you can find it. And if if any of the listeners out there are going to watch the bowl game against Boise State, I would encourage you to focus in on the right guard for the Washington Huskies in that game. Number 66, Henry Bainavalu. He's going to be our starting right guard this season. And man, he dominated in that game. He was throwing people around like rag dolls. 
it's like really fun to spotlight and just really focus in on one player especially when you go back and rewatch a game like you kind of know what happened so you don't have to follow the ball the entire time just every once in a while pick a random play and just watch one player and watch number 66 he had a hell of a game and should get you excited in terms of what he could potentially do for us in the games that we do play this year and the next year so that's just a little tidbit. If you do go the Boise State bowl game route, check out our right guard, Henry Bainavalu, number 66. Um, but also on the topic, I'd be really interested to get more feedback from our listeners. Yeah. I know we have listeners that are similar to our age and kind of were raised in the he who shall not be named era and <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian. And we'd love to you know, hear more stories like Connor just mentioned about our time watching the Nebraska games while we were students. What games do you guys want to watch? And we'll be curious if you do decide to watch a game, tell us about it. Let us know which one you chose and why. I know we have some listeners out there that might want to revisit the glory days of the Don James era. Let us know what you're watching. I'd be interested. We're happy to talk Husky ball. So reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And Let's try to salvage Husky Saturday to a certain degree. It's still a dog Saturday. Like they were still, to, still I was debating whether I should, because I have a, I have a, I have a flag that I like to put out on Husky Saturdays. And I was debating whether I should still do that this Saturday. And I think, I still think I will just because Fly it. Fly yeah, it, with it pride. is, it is the beginning of the PAC 12 season, no matter what, even if we aren't playing, I'm almost kind of looking a bit, at this is like our bye week at this point. Like it, it sucks yeah. that it's right off the bat. And, you know, again, like we talked about, not all these games are promised. It's very likely or possible that another one of these games could get canceled, especially, especially since we have another game against a Bay area, Bay area school in Stanford. So are they going to be able to travel up to us that week? We'll see. It's all about timing sometimes and really getting the right team at the right, at the right moment. So it's a little yeah. bit of a luck of the draw. But go but out yeah. there, go out there, YouTube, the Husky Archive, pick a game, watch it, enjoy your Husky Saturday. If you got a flag like Connor, let it soar, have a good time, and then reach out to us. Seriously, let us know. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are in terms of some of your more fond memories of games throughout Husky football. I will ask if you come to us, saying that you watched a game during the era of the coach who shall not be named. We're not going to answer. No. I, yep. I don't want to talk about that. There but, weren't, there weren't a lot of good games to watch during that era. So I, there's, if you come to us with that, I would have to think there's something sick and twisted with you. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, in terms of getting user f- or listener feedback, we did get an awesome question from one of our listeners connor i'll let you tee that up and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit and we're excited to get some of the feedback through our anchor voice messaging system yeah sam and so if you guys don't know listeners you guys can actually leave us voice messages through the anchor app and uh, there's a there's always a link in our description even if you're listening to it via a different podcasting platform like apple Podcasts or spotify or something like that you can click on that or copy and paste that link and leave us a voice message and we'd love to answer your question one of our loyal listeners chris knackle 
left us a voice message and we'd like to answer his question. So take it away, Chris. Hey guys, this is Knackle. Currently drinking some homebrew coffee and uh, I have a question for both of you. What does the pipeline for getting high school players into college programs look like? You guys have mentioned a few times that kids will transfer to high schools in Texas just to play football their senior year. Also, you've mentioned star rankings for incoming freshmen. Can you explain how the star rankings are created and also explain how or why someone would transfer to one of these football-only high schools? Thanks. Love the show. Good questions, Chris. So I'll be happy to kind of dive into your questions around recruiting pipelines. It's a pretty intricate and nuanced way in terms of how those are developed and how kids ultimately end up at the colleges that they choose. It's largely really relationship-based and there's a lot of work and hours put into relationships between coaches more so than anything. And Husky football in particular, we've seen this play out with largely an effort by Pete Kwiatkowski, our defensive coordinator, was more or less directed by Chris Peterson to try to make some inroads into the state of Texas five, six years ago. And five or six years ago, you can look through the Husky roster and there wasn't a single player on our team from Texas. Obviously, Football in Texas is like a religion. There is a, a different breed of player that comes from Texas. And being able to poach a player or two from that area is paramount to success in the program. And so I'm using this as an example in terms of how pipelines are developed. And it really honestly is Pete Kwiatkowski or a coach on any coaching staff getting on an airplane or getting in his car and driving to a local high school or a high school in another region of the country, introducing themselves to the high school football coaches, high school athletic departments, and just building a person-to-person -person relationship with the administrators and the coaches and the trainers at particular high schools. And the way that it works is if I was a college coach and Connor was a high school coach and say he was a high school coach in Texas and I was a college coach at University of Washington. And I've noticed that he's running a really successful program. They've you know, been in the state championship, really competitive football teams with great, you know, highly talented players. I want to go build a relationship with Connor because it could be mutually beneficial because he could potentially send some of his high school talent to my college and vice versa when his players perform well in college and ultimately in the NFL, it makes him as a high school coach and developer of talent look even better. So there's obvious mutual win-win situation going on there. So I would go visit Connor, visit the high school, get to know the current students, the current athletes there. And over years, and it takes years, particularly when you're talking about out of region, it takes years to develop that relationship. But say five years down the road, I get a phone call from Connor and he says, hey, I've got this running back on my team. He's a sophomore right now, but he's a stud. He's going to be a surefire NFL running back someday. 
he's kind of under the radar. The Alabamas, the LSUs, the Ohio States of the world haven't noticed him yet. I really appreciate you and our relationship. Like, why don't you come down here and check him out? So then I would go down and I'd meet this athlete. We would talk about our school and hopefully that kind of gives a little bit of insight into how that works. It truly is boots on the ground, making relationships. Really, it's kind of like any other kind of business. It really comes down to networking. You hear the saying all the time, most people get jobs from their network, somebody that they know or someone that they know, know someone else at a company that you want to work for. And that kind of helps you get an in for that job. It really is very similar in the way that these high school athletes find and develop relationships with the coaches and the schools that they ultimately choose is from people they know it's their network and it's the you know, spider web aspect of networks that it might not be someone, you know, personally, but a friend of a friend or something like that. And so hopefully that provides a little bit of insight. I think on potentially a deeper level, you'll hear people talk about putting fences up around their state is a really important thing. And what they mean by that is you want to keep the local talent at the local school, the local college. And you're going to have coaches from Ohio State and Alabama come and try to poach the top talent from Washington. But obviously, being in the state of Washington, you have an inherent, inherent advantage with proximity to home. You're able to just drive 20 minutes to the local high school and really foster those relationships. And so I think the heavy lift is for sure making, making sure that you're fostering those relationships with the high school coaches and the local football network in nearby regions. And every school tries to recruit really hard locally, but then also every school tries to identify hotbeds of talent, you know, that nationwide, the hotbeds of football talent are Southern California Texas, Florida, Georgia, Alabama. And you want to try to identify pockets where you feel like you can make inroads with relationships. And I know a couple episodes ago, Connor was talking about a high school or a incoming freshman that he's really high on is Miles Morale. He's a center. And we think that he might even be able to play some this year. And we were talking about, he comes from a very, very, highly sought after pipeline school in modern day and the Huskies have traditionally not been able to pull talent from modern day modern day usually sends their athletes to USC Ohio State Alabama Clemson and that's a great example of hard work paying off we've been knocking on that door we've been trying to build that relationship and in a lot of ways that was the first example of us really building a connection and, and, and withdrawing some sort of value and getting confirmation that like, Hey, we are making inroads into this potential pipeline for the future. Um, I, that was probably a long winded answer, but I hope that provided some additional context into the question that you had. And 
it does play a little bit into one of the other questions you had in terms of why certain high school kids would transfer to schools in Texas or Florida. Like, why would they choose to do that? And in a large part, there are schools like a modern day or an IMG Academy in Florida or Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas that year in, year out are super talented teams. All of the college coaches are going to visit that school. They're all trying to build relationships with that school. And so it brings that particular player a lot more exposure to potential colleges, potential future coaches. And in a lot of ways, that increased level of exposure plays into their star rating, which I know was another question that you had. And I'll let Connor kind of take, take that one. Yeah, well, long-winded, it was a very good answer, Sam. So, well done. I can get I can get carried away. I'm sorry, but that's no, why you're, you're good, that's man. why you're here listening. I've got a that's big right. head, and I I got to fill it with information one way or another. We re- we rely upon that big head of yours in this college football realm. So, thank you for answering that question, Sam. Yeah, so star rankings, uh, Chris. Uh, essentially, you have these ranking websites. Two four seven is one of them. ESPN has a ranking website as well, and um, each of these recruits is assigned a star rating on these websites and that star rating is generated. You know, they have each of these websites has their own scouts. They go out and watch high school football games. One of the ways that a lot of these players really gain recognition though, is through camps and academies and taking place in those sorts of things. That's where you see a bunch of and a bevy of scouts at all those academies and those and those camps. So that's really where some of these some of these you know unheralded recruits start kind of moving their way up in the in the star rankings per se. The other the other piece of it, as far as like you know star rankings go, is it a lot of it's dependent also on the offers that a lot of these kids are getting from schools. And that plays in part to, you know, scouts from those schools. So it's like, a, it's almost like a inception of scouts type thing. Like scouts from those schools are recognizing talent. So they'll rec- they'll see that one of these, you know, ranking sites scouts will see that one of these recruits got an offer from Ohio state or something like that. And they'll be like, Oh, this kid must be good. Obviously. And so they'll either, you know, bookmark that guy or start moving his star ratings up or, you know, go check him out either at a high school football game or at a camp or something like that. And um, those are kind of the ways that that kids get recognized through stars. I mean, the star rankings aren't always a reliable way to really, you know, judge talent, though, I will say. Husky, the Huskies have been pretty notorious and Chris Peterson in general at getting kind of like these two and three star recruits or even walk-ons that end up de- developing into really, really good players. And going back to what Sam said, that a lot of that has to do with just that some of these players just didn't get enough eyes on them. Maybe they didn't take part in a lot of those camps that some of these scouts are at. Um, maybe they didn't get that big, you know, big offer from a big school or anything like that. Um, so those are the types of things that can impact a kid's recruiting and their star ranking, but Sam was talking a little bit on an earlier episode, a little bit about a blue chip ratio. 
and blue chips are four and five star ranked recruits. And the Huskies have really started to increase that on, on their, on their team in a big way in recent years. And I think they're, are they the highest in the PAC 12 this year, as far as a blue chip ratio on their, yeah. on their team? Yeah. Yeah. 54% of our players were four or five star ranked recruits, which is the, the highest percentage of blue chip recruits in the PAC 12. And what I was saying earlier in an earlier podcast was that is one of the most indicative metrics in terms of success on a national level. If you look back at all of the college football playoff teams every year, they have always had a higher than 50% blue chip ratio. And so getting over that hurdle, particularly for a West coast team is really difficult, but I think that's a testament to our coaching staff and really Jimmy Lake had a big hand in getting us to this point, and I hope that he'll be able to continue that and potentially even up-level it in his head coaching capacity. So I think the future's bright, and that's one of the things that people talk about in terms of excitement level for this season is we're just now getting to that point where our team finally made it over that 50% mark, and while our team is largely young, inexperienced, and unproven. It's arguably one of the most talented rosters we've had top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Yep, no doubt. And I guess going back to like what I was saying, as far as stars don't always mean everything, blue chip ratio is a pretty, like Sam said, indicative factor in success. I look at college football kind of on a player on a player talent aspect in two ways and for like for a specific team. And part of it is recruiting, obviously, as far as just like getting the high, highly ranked recruits. And the other part is player development. The Huskies have really nailed that player development part in, you know, the last six years since Chris Peterson took over and in a very good way. And a lot of those players that you see even playing in the NFL now were three-star recruits like many of them were or less Nick Harris Will yep. Disley Miles Bryant so the player development has been exceptional what takes us to that next level as far as competing year in and year out with the Ohio States the Alabamas the Clemsons the Notre Dames all that stuff all those guys is getting those more heralded recruits and that extra talent and that extra kind of athlete and size in our program that we've stressed in earlier episodes. Yeah. It's bringing that foundation up one notch in terms of developing. We've been a really solid program, really, really highly competitive within the PAC 12, just scratching the surface in terms of that top 10 nationally type realm. And We've been doing that largely with, you know, middle of the road, three-star recruit base. And to, to Connor's point, being highly proficient at developing and squeezing out every bit of production and talent from those players from that three-star base. But if we're able to move that baseline up to slightly more talented players and then layer in our ability to develop that talent and really produce and get the most out of every player, that's when 
something special can happen on Montlake. Yep. And those are the, those are the years that we both Sam and I foresee coming very soon, just with the talent level that we already have on the roster and some of the recruits that we're going after in in future years here in upcoming classes. So we'll definitely go way more into recruiting kind of as the season progresses and probably ends, we'll, we'll start going into some more recruiting, assuming that we even play games this year. We will, we will, Sam, I promise. Sure. Sure. Hope we do. I'll believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. I get it. Yep. Me too. But we will talk more recruiting, but great questions, Chris. Uh, We, we really appreciate the, not only feedback, but obviously, you know, the interaction, we really want to interact with our, our listeners. So please leave us a, a voice message if if you want to be featured on a future episode, just like Chris was in this one. Um, and yeah, questions, comments, you know, predictions for the season or predictions for a certain game, all that stuff. We're open to sharing that stuff and interacting with you guys on all of it. It's it's all it's all fun. So please, please uh you know, follow those, those links in our, in our descriptions and through the anchor app and leave us messages for future episodes. Absolutely. I'll be happy to gab Husky football with whoever's out there willing to engage. So please reach out. We'd love to hear from you guys. And we gave Chris quite a bit of airtime in this episode. And we're happy to, (laughs) happy to give that to anyone else who's willing to, to engage. So please do reach out and send us some voice messages. We'd really appreciate it. No doubt. All right, Sam, is there anything else that you really wanted to go over? I know now our first game is going to be next weekend at another late kick. It's at 8 p.m. I think that's on FS1 against Oregon State. So be looking for an episode probably midweek next week to preview that game. Hopefully we get to the preview and we can actually preview the game before it's canceled and it won't be canceled. It won't be canceled, Sam. I'm just fucking with you. Knock it's going to be fine. Knock on I, wood, man. I'll knock, knock, on, on, I'll wood. knock on everything right now. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be able to do a post-game raw reaction podcast. I'm really bummed that we're robbed of that opportunity. We this got a little weekend. bit of raw reaction in this one, though, as far as just for, you know, blood's boiling a little bit just because i mean it's already a sensitive week with the election and everything and then that's true this here's this, here's a question connor here's a question okay do you think we'll actually know who our president will be by the time we play oregon state next week i think there will be a winner declared but i don't think it's going to be finalized yeah i think, I think there I, will be a strong indication and we will more or less know, but to your point, I think it might get a little messy. Yes. I don't think it's going to be over per se, but yes, I do think that there's a very strong likelihood that we'll have a very good indication of who our next president's going to be. It's been a wild week, man. I really needed a Husky football game this weekend. I know. Needed a little bit of normalcy. It would have been nice, but you know, we move on to the next one. So we got Oregon State next Saturday. A little bit of a softer landing for Jimmy Lake's debut. So we're looking forward to seeing what the team looks like. I mean, this is a this is as you know hard to predict of a team 
as there's been since Chris Peterson's first year. Yeah. So there's a lot of unknown out there, just like there's a lot of unknown in our world right now. So Huskies are following suit in that way and be excited though. I mean, there's a lot of talent out there. We don't know what it's going to look like this year and how it's going to shape up, but at the very least, we're going to see some kids develop and make some exciting plays. So I'm excited to get this season going if and when it gets going. If I had to leave with any parting words at the end of this podcast on Saturday, fire up the smoker, have some good meat, get some chips and dip and watch a Husky game anyways, and let us know how it goes. Let's make Husky Saturday happen, even if they aren't playing a live game. So until then, for my end, go dogs. Still have your dog Saturday this, this, this weekend, folks. One, one thing I do want to bring up quickly, real quick, is that we quickly, real quick. Good job, Connor. Quickly, Uh, quickly, real quick, 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 quick. (laughs) Stress on the quick. We are going to have a Sounders and Seahawks episode next week as well. So look forward to that. That'll be our next episode, actually. And we're going to have a special guest. We won't announce his name. We will have a special guest on that episode. So stay tuned for that and be looking for that probably coming out on Tuesday morning. But yeah, until then, uh, please let, uh, subscribe and follow us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, follow us on Spotify. Again, feedback is welcome. We appreciate any and all of it, even if it is harsh. We want to improve this podcast and fine tune it um, so that we can be doing this for years. And we're having a lot of fun with it. So we appreciate all of you guys listening. Until next time, go dogs. Go dogs. Hashtag fire Larry Scott.